how hard did you push it till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. Guest tonight is a, a special place in my heart because, look, we all do a lot of online shopping, uh, but this is the one human being who, when I receive something from him, my girlfriend goes, wait, is that another visor from Sugarloaf? And my response is yes. So our guest tonight is Ian Gilly from uh, Sugarloaf Social Club. Uh, Ian, welcome to the pod, man. We're so excited to have you. Ash and Big Chris, thanks for having me, guys. And uh yeah, long time coming and glad we can make this work. Yeah. No, but seriously, you got to stop making fire visors because I've got a, <laughs> I wear a size eight hat. I've got a huge head and I say I'm done. And then you guys come out with uh, the gingerbread, you know, uh, nutcracker Christmas. And I, I, it's like, it's a like twitchy. Yeah. I get twitchy and I put it in the cart. Next thing you know, it's here in two days. You, you got to stop. You're, you're not alone, man. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, like the, the print tour visors are kind of their own like little subculture and machine. And um, it's so, it's so much fun kind of coming up and finding some of those, those prints and knowing what's going to work well. And like, we try to keep those, you know, you know, it's, kind of tiny runs as possible and um yeah it's folks are ravenous for those for sure and like it's it's you're, you're not alone i mean we have multiple requests a month like hey can you like not put a sugar loaf sticker on the outside of that box so you know my wife doesn't know i got another one or can you send it to my office instead i you know apple pay accidentally inserted my home address like do not send there under any wow. circumstances so um Whoa. it's a uh, yeah, folks are, folks are obsessed, and it's really it's really fun, honestly, on, to be on our end and to sort of be coming up and delivering joy. Um, oh, yeah. I feel so seen, Ian. Like this is like because I, I, again, it's one of these things where it's like I swear I'm not going to. You post it, I buy it, and then it's like I, I get like twitchy. But I'm glad to know that there's people who are in the same boat. That's amazing. Well, the one thing I think me and Ashton both love about it is I well. I come from being a sneakerhead and kind of that I've been a sneakerhead since I was in high school, 20 plus years. And Ashen's seen my collection of sneakers. It's like I have enough to wear a different pair every day of the year. And so like the quality of gear that you guys uh, put out and the effort that you go through to find really good quality stuff in different things too. I think the variety is really great. I think that's one thing me and Ashton both have kind of fallen in love with what you guys have done on the, the swag side of things. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, our, our rules sort of like our design rule and frankly, it's, it's mostly just me and um, you know, I, I have a few partners and, and uh, kind of one full-time staffer who's, you know, handling all the, the DMs, but they're, they're all pitching in for here and there. But I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the rule is like, what does Ian want and need? Like it's, uh, I've said this before. I mean, if I, you know, need a new white hat, we're making white hats sort of thing. So um, I think the variety comes from that sort of uh, just constant, like looking for new things for myself. And that's been a good uh, sort of uh, roadmap for, for success. Like if, if I'm going to dig it, chances are other folks will too. So um, yeah, you're right. Like we don't repeat a lot of stuff. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's, it's definitely the harder way to do things. Um, 
but it's like I said, it's it's super fun, and and thank you for the the kind words. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm I'm curious, and just I know this isn't on the rundown, but just specifically about the tour advisors before we move on. You talked about the print. So basically, like, do you find the print and then that is how it starts off? Or how does that process work for the tour advisors? Yeah, we've made a few of the custom prints ourselves. Of course, you can get custom fabric made. But really, it's there's a few designers of, of quilting fabrics that that I, you know, follow obsessively. And, um, you know, 1% of their, you know, thousands of, of designs a year uh, will really, like, resonate with me. And I'm looking for, like, you know, kind of sort of uh super tiny patterns that are of something quirky like sushi or rock stars or dinosaurs or whatever um and and it's it's similar to like how sugarloaf stuff sells out some of these designer fabrics sell out like within you know minutes basically so i i you know i i kind of have to as much as people maybe are up on like sugarloaf drops like i'm in this like weird like mom quilting world of like finding fabrics basically. And so, and then they don't, they don't like rerun these things. And like, for example, like we did some like yellow surfers like four years ago. And like, I wish I could find those again, some sharks and those sushi visors we did. They, you know, that's impossible fabric to find. So um, that, that's kind of like one of my little sub weird hobbies is the like fabric, finding fabric. And sometimes there's nothing out there. And sometimes there's just a, you know, a whole, a whole mine of good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Well, outside of the, the gear that you guys put out, um, give the listeners a quick rundown on how Sugarloaf came to be and what Sugarloaf actually does outside of drops and gear and things like that. Definitely. Um, I'll, I'll try to make this long story very short. Uh, I've told it a, a million times, but basically in 2011, it was it was me and two of my college roommates, uh, Rollins College down in Florida, and we were playing this course, this Core Crenshaw course near Orlando called Sugarloaf Mountain, like all the time. And it was one of our favorite places to play. Um, and we were kind of getting sentimental towards the end of our time in college. And um, I, I made a suggestion to just kind of put this name, you know, on our tiny friend group and, and kind of give us incentive to keep in touch after we graduate, went our separate ways. And this was the formation of a social club, just a group of guys um, who who shared a passion for golf. And, you know, over the years, uh, we, we added a few new friends from our various cities and workplaces and, you know, grew to like 18, 20 guys. And um, it was literally just a private Facebook group and a text message chain for many, many years. And then it, it around 2015, 2013, um, decided like, hey, we need a really sick logo. And that's when we came up with that SSC arrow, um, put it on some merch. You know, other people were like, wow, that's really sick. Like, can I get some? And so the merch business sort of just snowballed from there. And became a brand, you know, out of literally just some guys making some hats for themselves. Um, and then on the back end of that, um, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, my business and creative partner, uh, Harrison Lewis, when we were both working on Capitol Hill. And um, our boss, a congressman from Florida at the time, was retiring at the end of 2016. And, you know, I had worked in golf a little bit and he was a chief of staff in Congress and I was a communications director. So we were, we had this Jack of all trades sort of resume where we knew, we knew kind of how to handle, you know, a brand, how to, how to 
talk and, and kind of work with a CEO on image and, you know, how to communicate with the press and, and all, you know, t photography, videography, websites. So um, we were like, man, you know, the golf industry is kind of kind of stale when it comes to creative photography and videography and logos. And so, uh, yeah, we full stop left Capitol Hill in 2017, got a few clients at the PGA show under our other business, Sugarloaf Creative Lab. And, um, started helping folks with their social media, uh, helping people, you know, source product, helping people acquire other businesses. And, um, really that, that, that sort of narrowed down into, uh, brand and, and logo design, um, which is kind of where we sort of found our, our lane. Um, and that led us to folks like Pinehurst and Pebble beach and PJ national and so forth. So, um, you know, on if if half the half my time is spent on the social club gear side of things, the other half is spent behind the scenes helping other brands with various creative needs. So I've noticed there's a big move in, especially modernizing logos. There's there's a course out here, um, just outside of Portland called Wildwood. Um, they did a really great job of putting out um, and redoing their logo and kind of modernizing it to, to something that, you know, reflects the people that actually come out and play it. And it's like a great Sasquatch logo and Manzanita and Highlands out on the coast of Oregon. Um, they've done a great job of doing, you know, the Sir Eldrick and the, the bird that they've got out there. And so what are some of your favorite projects um, that you've worked on on that side of things that, that you've been most proud of? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like probably the two sort of uh, kind of higher profile ones right at the top are, are both the, the Pebble beach projects, honestly, I think cause um, really because they're just kind of unique for such a, a heralded place. I mean, it wasn't like they asked us to redo the logo for the, you know, the Pebble Beach course in the ocean, but they, when they're redoing their par three course and Tiger Woods involved, and there was a bit of a name change. And it's this, this, it's going to be this incredible place for juniors and guests of the resort and, you know, kind of get, get up to snuff and stepped in line with, with high quality par three courses that other resorts have around the country. I mean, that one was, was really cool. And that, that was the, the hay and the, the seal and holding the flag in its mouth. And that was inspired by an old vintage photo from, from the Pebble beach company um, from like the fifties. So that one was, that was really sick. And then following up with that, they asked us if we wanted to help on the women's U S open logo for this year. Um, and that was a huge challenge and a, and a huge honor, honestly, because, you know, I, I doubt anyone even knows we did that logo, but they've been proudly displaying that for the last two years uh, since we completed it. And I think it's a really cool, fresh, modern, youthful, feminine, you know, take on the, the classic tree and water scene. Um, and so th those two really, really were kind of, kind of benchmark high watermarks i think for for what what we love to do which is you know historical archival inspiration with a you know a dash of modern and something that's gonna you know work and resonate for years to come 
Yeah. Yeah. And I know that uh, I live, so I'm originally from Atlanta, but I lived in DC for about a year. I didn't play much golf at the time, but one of the things that I immediately, like immediately purchased was, cause I think you, didn't you do the East Langdon logo in, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Langston. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I think that one was so cool because, like, I just love like the the iconography, right? It's got with the is it the Lincoln Memorial and then the um, Washington Monument. Like, I wear that, and people are like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Well, I'm like, <laughs> it's oh, like the East a Potomac a, logo you're talking about, e- East yeah. Potomac, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, East Potomac, um, yeah, yeah. Th- that one, that yeah, one's so, so the- cool. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that that one. Um, you know, the, the clubhouse at East Potomac is like this little, looks like, does look like a miniature version of the Lincoln Memorial, basically. It looks like a memorial. It's got the columns and the, you know, it's sort of like, like long and perfectly symmetrical. And, and so like that, that logo is the clubhouse, but it also works as sort of this like kind of very, you know, obviously like DC sort of building and architecture. Um, and when you're coming up the ninth hole on the blue course, I mean, the, the Washington monuments peeking up over the left corner of the, of the clubhouse there. And so, um, you know, those, you know, and we, the phrase that I came up with for East Potomac was a monument to municipal golf and it. And so, you know, through the, the logo and the clubhouse is a miniature monument and the, the golf course itself is supposed to be this, you know, this, ideal of what municipal golf could and should be for this country and so um yeah that was a really that was a really fun mark um yeah i'm glad you dig that one it looks really good on the on a white flag i was admiring it today well yeah it's just because i have a i have a tour visor with the the halo go and then i have a tour visor with that one and then after the fact i was like so now because i have like a sugarloaf and non-sugarloaf visor section I moved them both over because so I was like, well, they're both designed, so I'm just going to include this in my Sugarloaf collection. But I guess there's a reason why logos sort of resonate because it's from the same ethos, well, actually, right? We're going to have to now go to the U.S. O- Women's Open, and we're going to have yeah, to get merch sure. so, and find a tour visor <laughs> for you so you can add it to the collection. Oh, it's let an me addiction. know you guys go. It's, I, I don't have any merch with that logo on it yet, but I think it's, it's sick, so I'm just waiting for their... I don't know. Maybe they're online shop. We'll, we'll figure soon, out but, a way to, to yeah, get yeah. something out there and send it your way in. Yeah. Well, I live awesome. in the Bay Area, so I've got no excuse. So I'll Amazing. I'll I'll certainly keep an eye. Um. Well, cool. Well, Ian, you know, we have some other kind of questions about Sugarloaf that we'll we'll talk about later. But you know, it's perfect timing because you know a lot of what we like to talk about is public golf and the courses we've played and. Uh, around the time we were setting this up, you posted kind of your 2022 superlatives. You went on, I know you went on a kind of a big trip around the holidays. Um, would just kind of love to hear, we can kind of run down the list, but would love to hear about some of these places because the pictures looked amazing, but um, would love to hear some, you know, beyond just the blurb on Instagram, what kind of really resonated with, resonated with you for the, the courses you've played. So I guess we can start off with the trip around the holidays. I saw you were down near Pinehurst. You want to tell us a little bit about that trip? Yeah, so that trip actually uh, uh, was was one of our business partners, Matt Bertelli, was down there with some pals, um, and yeah, I he he went with just some guys from National Links Trust and some other friends from the DC area, and so they just played Tobacco Road and Southern Pines and Pine Needles and kind of the the standard hits down there. Um, and honestly, we get down to the Pinehurst area a couple times a year, so it's kind of you know a second or third home at this point, sort of thing, and. Um, 
I was down there in February of last year and, you know, got to see, you know, if I have to like bring up anything on this podcast from down there, that's, that's super current. It would be, you know, the Southern Pines restoration by Kyle Franz is just like off the charts, cool and good. And, you know, mid pines was probably already like one of my favorite courses in the world. And pine needles was like probably one of my, the most special courses to me in the world. And so once they they you know up leveled purchased and up leveled southern pines to give this incredible trifecta you know sitting right next to already other masterpieces in four and two and tobacco road i mean that that area is just absolutely ridiculous and you know southern pines is is you know competes with them all those on every level for sure yeah i just listened to the last episode of yoke with doke that they did on the fried egg and he was talking about number 10 um that they're just about to start breaking ground on this year and the turnaround time on that is ridiculous he was saying that by next summer it should be fully done ready to open because i guess they want to have it ready for when they're going to host the uh is it the pga or u.s open that's going to be out there next year or two U- years from u.s now? open 2024 oh, u.s open, US yeah. open. Yeah. so it's basically going to be at pebble beach or or pinehurst forever yes yeah. <laughs> but they're literally <laughs> trying to turn around this course have it built grass ready to play for all the visitors that are going to be coming for that which i think is absolutely insane that tom doke is going to be able to do that but i'm sure you've got to be pretty excited that somebody like doke being a guy that gets down there so often is adding another one to the repertoire of the excellent courses in that area yeah, and I, you know, I, I have no inside information, but I don't think they'll stop at 10 either. I mean, there's 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 more land down there. There's more sand. I mean, it's it, – even if it's beyond the Pinehurst Company, there's every incentive for folks to build more and more courses in that area. So, um, yeah, to say nothing to the fact that I didn't even mention Dormant Club is right around the corner. So, um, yeah, I mean, getting – you know, it's putting – with Cork Crenshaw already in that area and obviously Donald Ross's fingerprints everywhere and – the Strance, you know, kind of pinnacle of his of his oeuvre down the road. I mean, Doke probably was looking to kind of hang hang a Pinehurst area course on his mantle, and I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, that's I think it's on the old pit um, a tr- a piece of land, which you know, from what I understand, was like the original tobacco road or whatever, sort of this like, you know, really interesting and wild and different and kind of took some risks. And, and I'm, I'm sure the land sort of lent itself to that. So, um, you know, if it, if it really is hilly and sandy and with some water features, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be cool. Well, yeah. And the rumor has it that the Jones family actually had the rights to build the course originally out there, which me being an art tech guy, I'm glad that they didn't get the opportunity to build a course there um, and that Tom is getting out there to build it because um, we all know, I mean, they, there's some good and bad with the Jones boys, but um, I just think that with that type of land and topography, I think Tom Doak is the right person to to lay his stamp there and, and build it. I, I don't know if I would be too enthralled to see a Reese Jones track um, out at Pinehurst. Yeah, I 
you know, I I don't know if you're baiting me into saying that like Reese Jones courses are horrible or something like that, but I mean it's uh it's it's no secret that the the people have spoken and uh the market has decided that uh you know, we're looking for, you know, unique creative fun golf and not, you know, bunkers right and left at 260 and you know, straight and narrow sort of penal situations. So, um yeah, Doke is a master router and I mean, these guys just seem to keep getting better. Like, I don't know. There's like no stopping the golf world right now. I mean, there must be, you know, 15 projects in the works that are going to be competing for top 50 spots and rankings, you know, in this country. So um, it's insane. Like we're, we're truly blessed. Like we are living in, you know, the second golden age here. And it's, I I think history is going to look back on this period and be like, holy smokes, there were, you know, hundreds of incredible courses and people, you know, developers taking risk and investing in all these nooks and crannies of the country and folks willing to travel to them. And um, I think, you know, if, if, if you guys and Sugarloaf play any small part, it's just keeping the, you know, the lower end of the golf ecosystem jazzed about, you know, going exploring. And then, you know, maybe when they have a few extra clams in their pocket, heading out to these places. So um yeah, no, it's all all good things, man. It's golf is golf is healthy. Yeah, I promise. Yeah, and, and that's go what, ahead. The, yeah. what I was saying. That, that's I think that's the whole reason we honestly wanted to start this podcast was trying to shed some light on you know the courses that most people who you know do not have a private club can play. But then to your point, with the money you're quote unquote you know saving from not being at a private club, it's like you know Bandon becomes doable. You know, going and seeing Cabot becomes doable. Um, and so I, I think that's, um, yeah, it's something that really resonates with us. And, and to your point, uh, you know, now that post COVID for me going back down this golf rabbit hole and, you know, reading books about architecture, it's like, I just feel my brain firing in a way that it never has about anything, frankly. And it's just so cool though, that like, you know, I'm sure for art people, they can go see the Mona Lisa and that does something, but it's like, you know, uh, I'm reading the book about Bandon right now. And then, you know, six weeks I'm going to be standing on the tee at Pacific dunes. And like, that's really fucking cool. Right. Like I get to see this stuff and experience the stuff. And that's why the game's amazing, right? You're there with your buddies, you're with your friends, but you get to like putt on these greens and, and, and see these vistas. And I don't know, it's just, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's few corollaries out there for like why golf is so amazing, but like, it's, you will never be able to play them all. And I think that that sort of, treasure box you know like it's like this library with all these incredible books of knowledge you just cannot you know get to them all in in your lifetime and that's you know if you're if you caught the bug i mean you're just like it just keeps it going man i keep it like every year i get like reinvigorated for you know what's next like there's so much you know i haven't seen and i've seen a lot so it's like where where can we go like what can we do and um I want to get back to places too. And, and yeah, Bandon is, is a religious, you know, a religious place. And I think like, you know, Mike Kaiser is, is our Lord and savior basically. Um, so, <laughs> um, report back. I'm keen to hear your thoughts. I, I also think like guys like you and me, Ian, um, cause I, I'm definitely like a, a treasure hunter like yourself. You know, I, I sought out about, three years ago that I was going to try to play every public golf course on the West coast. So I mapped out every single course. It was like 1198 courses. 
Um, and I've played close to little over 600 of those courses. So, um, and some good, some not even going to mention their names and then just some absolute hidden gems. And I think for guys like us, it's, it's great to find those places because it's like trading cards where, you know, if I'm visiting an area and you're like, Hey, you got to check out this place and this place and this place. And it's the same. If like you came to the Pacific Northwest, I'd be like, I've got, I've got a list of places that you've got to check out. Um, And so it's really fun. The camaraderie for guys that love the public golf side of things that want to show you and create those experiences, you know, with you or just, hear your experiences when you visit those courses that you might not have heard of that someone recommended is one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's every year there, there are places that, you know, will surprise me or I had never even heard of that are only an hour away. I mean, it's, it's just, like I said, like the world of golf, there's, it's, it's endless. And um, you're right. There's some stuff out there that's just, you know, not not worth your time for sure but i mean when you stumble on these places that they don't even know they're cool you know and you're like feel like you're uncovering something for the first time or like you're the like some alien outsider who's landed on this you know foreign planet that's never seen anyone from from outside orbit and it's like that's that's like that tre- you never know you just never know if it's going to be cool or not it's always worth it to go check stuff out and um yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it sounds like you have a really good group of, of guys you, you're sharing stuff with. And I think like, you know, where, you know, we we saw Instagram and, the, and even our hidden gem map is a great way to sort of like be a repository for uh, information and, and to sort of encourage people to to go on an adventure or drive an hour or, you know, seek out something weird that's that they, you know, didn't really feel an incentive to do before. So, um yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I mean, you got me jazz, jazzed up to, to play some G. <laughs> Hit the hey, you're gonna have to come experience Pacific Northwest because when you were explaining or talking about uh, Maine and you know going out onto the islands and playing the nine hole course, I was like, he needs to come to the Puget Sound because that's ba- basically what you're gonna do. Is there's all these tiny little islands throughout the Puget Sound that you take ferries to all these different islands, and they all have their their home nine hole courses scattered across the Puget Sound, and they don't see a lot of visitors, or and they're always excited when guy when people come from outside the area to experience it because it's just local people that run the track over and over and over again and that's that's where they they call home and that's their drinking hole and that's that's everything to them and so they're always so happy to have anybody from outside come visit and you're definitely gonna have to come check out the pacific northwest yeah i've never even considered that area i'm going to be on google earth for the next hour just looking at all that now check um, out peninsula that's a, golf club that's a pro tip. peninsula golf club you okay. can see canada from Turn the course <laughs> yeah awesome it's not it's not a sarah palin joke even though he made that joke when he talked about <laughs> it yeah um oh man remember her yeah <laughs> 
Um, okay, so why don't we get into the superlatives, Ian? Sure. So, uh, Muni of the Year, Buffalo Dunes. Uh, tell us about Buffalo Dunes. Yeah, it's uh, it is this this Muni south of a town called Garden City. Um, I, I believe it's it's in Kansas. Correct. Let's see. Um, and yeah, and uh, it is absolutely like unbelievable piece of land no homes around it um you know was just kind of a run-of-the-mill course for a very long time uh had you know a bunch of trees but the land is like sandy dunes land like on the edge of like rolling farm hills and so um this the, the superintendent his name's clay Payne. uh he was at dismal and valley neal for a minute and this is his the track he grew up on and he you know i was i was encouraged by a few folks that i really trust like you gotta go see this place like what clay and his team are doing at at this muni in kansas is is absolutely incredible and basically he has taken you know on a on a beer budget like a doing a restoration that is looks like prairie dunes basically like it is just it's it's beautiful you know wide fairways native grasses you know rough and and like wonderfully sculpted bunkers and and beautiful greens and so like yeah imagine if if prairie dunes and the prairie club and valley neal were like a 30 dollar public course basically um they're only about a third to halfway done with this restoration and i was already like wow this is going to be something incredibly incredibly special and so um yeah it's uh you know, I hope to hope to post some more pictures. Definitely going to do do a nice little video recap uh, on our page, and um, it's. I think it's going to be one of those. I mean, there's so many quality munis right now, and a lot of munis doing restorations as well. And um, this one is is up there for that sort of like ideal Americana, like middle America dunes land aesthetic. And, um, you know, what, what they're going for is, is to sort of be the public offering to Prairie dunes, which is hours away for sure. But in that part of the country, like driving three hours is just like a normal afternoon commute. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a special, it's a special spot. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of my kind of favorite things I've seen in a long time. And just the passion that, that, you know, clay is demonstrated behind the you know the restoration and sort of the you know the very like ecological ways going about things and like how the maintenance is going to be you know he's doing this affordably cheap very affordable and it's also going to be more affordable to run once he's done with it too so um yeah that one was that was super special i mean it's uh, you know traveling i on that trip i traveled from denver and flew out of oklahoma city so I spent a lot of windshield time and didn't see a lot of people. And like I was halfway through this trip and I rolled into garden city and I was like, I don't know what I've gotten myself into. I'm like, it's, it is in the middle of nowhere. It's a big town for that area. But I, I felt incredibly isolated and showing up there that morning with a box of donuts and Clay and his team welcomed me. I mean, it was, yeah, it's a cool place. And um, I would encourage everyone to put it on their list probably, you know, two years from now it'll be finished and, probably is worth worth the trip honestly yeah it's, it's like i feel like how now i feel like wild horse has been like the place where it's like everyone's like if you're not going out and playing wild horse you're just missing out like that's probably the it's, course i want to play the most yeah i think wild horse is like easily in my top 10 and and you know buffalo dunes is like they 
they are and think of themselves as like a peer to wild horse when they'll be done with what they're doing. So, um, yeah, wild horse is like Shinnecock, man. It's absolutely incredible. Like it's probably the firmest course I've ever played. And yeah, I mean, the only, the only downside, I usually don't grab about this stuff, but there are homes dotted like a monopoly board around wild horse. And it's like, you know, I got to give it a, a knock somewhere, but like, other than that, it's, it is easily in my top 10 for like a perfect architectural and maintained golf course. Oh, it's on the list. We're, we're so excited. Yeah, just Getting... look at it on Google earth. Like you would just be like, yeah, yeah. no, no kidding. Yeah. Um, Chris basically hasn't played any golf at like, yeah, he's Mr. West coast and that's great. But like, he's basically never left the West coast. So as we develop this thing, we're going to get him to fly a little bit East and, and show him that there's good golf I went, everywhere. So amazing. I, I was out in Chicago and, and so I, any, oh, Chicago, any that's literal right. for second work, though, I had, for work. I went out and, and played golf and experienced as much as I possibly could. Like one day I drove up to Lasonia um and played courses out there um i i went out and played the notre dame track um and got to experience that i got to play um you You didn't you did not tell me this yeah i got to play ravislow you played the core crenshaw notre dame um i got to go play the the ravislow which is (laughs) uh, a donald ross track as well which there's just a lot of really good good golf. I wish I was there for a lot longer and I was working while I was there. So every second I had, I went out and, and went and Ashton, I'm almost positive. I called you when I was in Chicago on my way back from Notre Dame and mentioned it, but you might not, not have remembered. No, we're, we're, we're officially in a fight. We're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna move along and we'll talk about that at a later date. Um, Ian, surprise of the year. Is it, is it Woodmont country club? It's CC country club. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, de- definitely not a public course, very much a, yeah. a private club. Um, but you know, I think I, I live in, in, in Northern Virginia in the Washington DC area and, you know, congressional and, and Chevy Chase and Columbia and, TPC Potomac. I mean, these, you know, there's not a ton of golf in the area and what's here is like very, you know, very high end and like the private clubs are pretty impenetrable, you know, if, uh, if you're not already part of, part of the the club. So, um, don't, don't get a ton of opportunities to, to play those courses. And when I do, I always jump at it and, you know, um, you know, Wood, Woodmont was one that just never sort of like captured, you know, my interest, frankly, because I just, I just thought it was just kind of like the lesser of, you know, those four or five or six big hitters in the DC area. Um, and one of my new buddies invited me out there and it was like, absolutely, you know, I, I, I love all sorts of courses and like, there's a, a certain echelon uh, that are like the, the big ones, like the 36 hole plus type private places. And um, this this absolutely blew my mind. I mean, they've had a recent renovation. Um, all the facilities were incredibly, you know, luxe and top notch. And again, this is not something I'm normally like drawn to, but it just was like, it was so welcoming and it had these incredible facilities and the golf course was super good. Like there's a reason why they play us open, you know, regional qualifier there every year. And the guys apparently just absolutely love this place. And I totally get it now. And I don't know if you watched the women's U S open, uh, women's U S amateur a few years ago, but, um, 
it was incredibly riveting and that course looked incredible on TV. So, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it just sort of really stood out to me as like a fun private, one of those big 36 hole clubs, which sometimes can just, you know, they're almost too big for their own good, but this one had all their, you know, buttons buttoned up and, um, you know, I think the cherry on top was that they had just opened a par three course that literally like resembles the cradle at Pinehurst. I mean, it just kind of sits in this bowl and has some double greens and just like crazy stuff and gnarly bunkers in the middle of greens and a bit of a choose your own adventure vibe. And I mean, to, to kind of infuse, you know, a more classic country club with something fun like that just kind of shows you know, the, the trend and direction of like what people are looking for, even from a private sense, you know, out of their, their golf experience. And so like, that was heartwarming as well. And so, I don't know, it just stuck with me as like, you know, a place that did, did things really, really well and had a great day and yeah, not, not a ton more to say other than that. And just if people get a chance in the DMV to play Woodmont, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, those the my dad's a member at Atlanta Atlanta Athletic Club, and I mean, not only is the golf course a big ballpark, but to your point, like when you have that thirty six hole, it's like I feel like the driving range is like bigger than most golf courses. Like you just like pull yeah. in there, and it's like <laughs> like every time every time I'm home for the holidays, my dad will kind of look at me and be like, "What?" And I'm just like, "This place is fucking huge, man!" Like <laughs> it's like I'm just you know I'm out here playing my public golf in California, and like their driving range has like undulation and all this all this shit. I'm just like, this is. It's crazy with those places where there's that much land and that much going on, practice facility, part three, all that stuff. It is wild. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's as, as much as I'm, you know, totally in love with finding these, you know, furry, dusty, you know, diners in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's nice to be, uh, you know, treat yourself once in a while to a filet mignon. So um, that, that was my, like, you know, nice you know michelin experience of the year i guess i i can't i i will admit um us diner guys do occasionally go to an upstate or upscale five-star restaurant <laughs> so you know it, it we we can't admit that we we definitely do get the invite occasionally and get to experience some of those but totally totally get there but vibe of the year scone it Pronounce yeah. that for me. Is it Sconset? Sconset, Sconset, Skinner, Siasconset. It's got a couple names, and like, yeah, it's this, uh, it's this little nine-hole Muni public course on Nantucket, which is like absolutely one of like my favorite places I've I've ever been in in my life, and um, you know the it's a uh, it's definitely you know caters an island that caters to the 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 upper upper crust but i mean this this little tiny niner and i I encourage people to like even try to find it on google earth because it's sort of like tucked in between two other very fancy golf courses um and yeah it's just this it's like a community course that's just i don't even know if they have like fairway irrigation they might be hand watering greens and it's got this tiny little breezy clubhouse with no air conditioning kind of sitting up on a bluff and overlooking the course and you can hear the ocean and um you know windows are open and adirondack chairs everywhere and it's just you know boards are creaking and it's just it's 
it's an incredibly special place. And, you know, it's, it's hard to describe without, you know, going and looking at some of the photos that we posted, but um, there's a bit of like a culture there too. And, you know, some of the irreverent signs hanging on the wall that have been there forever, like nuisance golfers will be asked to leave the property and all this sort of interesting things. So um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like this perfect, it was like a perfect place for me, right? Because it was a short nine hole course that was public, but just felt, you know, a thousand years old and everyone, all walks of life from the island were sort of enjoying it and uh, super family friendly and kids running around. And I mean, I would, I was, I was on island with uh, my family and my, my one-year-old at the time. And, you know, when he was napping for 90 minutes in the middle of the day, I would just go there every day uh, during the vacation. So um, yeah, it's, it's a special, special place. And they've, they've really put a lot of effort in to make it, you know, really charming and quaint and have, you know, all the vintage trophies and photo albums and um, books kind of accessible to, to visitors. And um, it sort of is one of the, you know, most, it, it reminds me of a time that, you know, I wasn't around, but like of this, like the gold, the gilded age of, a, of America uh, sort of leisure seeking, you know, in the thirties or whatever. Um, and it's, it's just like a little time capsule and it's, it's just a super cool place. And I was incredibly comfortable, even though there were, you know, millionaires and billionaires probably walking around and it was only 35 bucks to play. So um, it kind of was this Venn diagram of just kind of a perfect golf hang for me. And that's, that's why we gave it vibe of the year. I, that's, that sounds like one of the best places ever to spend a holiday with your family. Cause I mean it, it, and you know what, it kind of reminds me of, of kind of like trip to the Hamptons for people from New York or, you know, Jersey shore for the, yeah. for the Jersey people. And, you know, Atlantic city, it, it's those places that people actually, you know, it, it's what Europeans get now where they get multiple months off and you go on vacation and you stay somewhere for multiple months you know, Americans decided that we no longer were going to do that. But that time is something that would have been so amazing to bring back to modern day. Because I think we all could take a deep breath sometimes, you know, and exit our lives and just be in a time capsule for, for a small time and just, you know, re-energize the batteries. And I think that's that's the kind of place that everybody should have in their back pocket to kind of sneak away once in a while. Yeah, that was, that was actually really well said. I mean, I didn't even totally consider that, but like when I was there, you know, it's like, I wasn't on my phone or checking Instagram. I was just sort of like, it was the one time all year that I just like sat on a golf course and just like let my shoulders, you know, relax and just kind of felt the breeze and listened to the murmurs of the families, you know, finishing their rounds and, soft hum of music from the clubhouse and yeah it was just like you know i think you know the the downside to sugarloaf is that when i'm going to a golf course i mean it's like it's hard not to consider that you know work or a content opportunity right and so to have these day over day time at a place where i you know i'd gotten all the photos i needed or whatever and just to enjoy golf kind of for like once in the year where i wasn't making something and just 
could just take it in was you're right. That's, that is a special moment. And I, you know, if I have a goal for this year, it's like maybe don't take the camera to some golf rounds and just kind of play golf like you used to kid. So, um, yeah, well said. Yeah. Um, okay. So this one, at least in the comments seemed to be a little bit chippy. Uh, the par three course the year at the chalk mine, but people had a lot of opinions about this, but I saw a couple people, <laughs> I think there was one that said, I forgot the course, but it was like, why is this not blank? And you were responding like, there's a lot of great par three courses these days, but tell us about the chalk mine. Yeah. I think, I think any chippiness around the chalk mine is probably because like it is, it's this, it's definitely like, private but it's the use case of it is incredibly earnest like it's for the first tee program of Aikens so like the it's like a course built for junior golfers like exclusively and the University of South Carolina Aikens men and women's golf team so it's like it's this incredible practice range it's first of all it's in Aiken which is like a wonderful you know becoming a golf haven and already was really kind of a golf mainstay for interesting topography and good soil and, you know, lovely climate and, uh, you know, right across the river from Augusta. So um, just a great intersection uh, for East Coast golf. And, um, you know, Aiken Golf Club is, you know, one of our favorite places and probably, you know, the first ballot Hall of Famer for Hidden Gem list. Um, And the guy behind that went and built this, you know, down the road, a par three course and a practice facility for junior golfers, basically. And it's like completely hidden. And it was definitely pretty new at the time. And I had to just, I basically just like parked on the road and like walked through the woods and luckily found it. Like I couldn't even, you know, Google earth wasn't even updated yet. So I couldn't even figure out where it was. And um, yeah, he built this uh, nine hole par three course. The holes are, you know, 60 to 115, 130 yards. And it's just, it's wonderful. It's in like this roly poly, maybe an old mine where there's exposed rock and tons of sand. And and it's a little bit like old world woods. It's a little bit Pine Valley and it's a hundred percent adorable and tiny and quick and fun. And, um, you know, I think, you know, sometimes Sugarloaf sending a really nice note to people allows you access to places and potentially this, you know, will, there will be, uh, open opportunities for folks to go play there. Um, but you know, it's a, I don't know. I thought it was a really cool concept where it's like a dedicated junior golf facility that had an emphasis on creative architecture. Um, and so, yeah, really, really cool spot and, um, was really fortunate to get to see it. And so that leads us to the last part of your uh, superlatives, which is the most anticipated for next year. So Cabot Citrus Farms, I know the Cliffs has been a just mind-blowing, you know, thing in the golf industry. We Everybody has kind of covered, covered that. So tell us a little bit about Citrus Farms. I don't think I or Ashton have done kind of any research on on that new course. Yeah, so um, not to take, you know, any more minutes from the podcast here, but it's it's a bit of a, a kind of a personal lengthy story here because this property uh, that Cabot, the Cabot Group has purchased was was originally called Worldwoods as of, you know, this time last year, basically. Um, and Worldwoods was near and dear to my heart. Not only did I 
traveled down there during the winter um, when I was a kid to play in junior golf tournaments and was like, my mind was blown because some Japanese developers hired Tom Fazio to build a Pine Valley and Augusta National in, you know, an hour north of Tampa. And like, that was just an absolutely incredibly cool thing for me as a kid growing up in Chicago and kind of only seeing like Oak lined, you know, country club courses. Um, you know, when, when we moved to Florida, when I was 16, you know, my folks only lived an hour from there and I ended up working after college for the, the congressman who represented the district that, that area that that course was in. And so, you know, played, played Pine Barrens, which was the better of the two courses at the Worldwoods hundreds of times. And it was just one of my all-time favorite places. You know, they called it the poor man's Pine Valley. Um, and, you know, year over year, it kind of came on hard times and was looking a little rough and was still, you know, I still, still loved it, of course. But, you know, when the news broke that Cabot was buying this heralded property, which, you know, was definitely a top 100 course at one time in the 90s and um, this huge piece of land that has sand and live oaks and like, I don't know. It's kind of a unique thing. It's like if, you know, Kaiser had bought, you know, a, a resident, you know, a, a property that was once famous and instead of building something from scratch. But um, I think what Cabot saw and, you know, we're, their track record is, you know, unassailable, like they do incredible things. So, you know, it was a bit of a happy, sad moment for me. Like on one hand, like my Pine Barrens, my beloved Pine Barrens is going away. On the other hand, the like the best potential best people in golf to develop anything are buying like my favorite place. So, um, you know, luckily, you know, they gave me the opportunity when I was down visiting my parents for Christmas to sneak out there for half a day. Um, and Mr. Kelso showed me around the property and, and they are building completely new, you know, new golf courses. Um, there are going to be on the Pine Barrens property specifically, which is Kyle Franz uh, design. Um, there are some, you know, homages to the Pine Barrens course that was there and some familiar corridors, but also some incredible new stuff that he's reimagined. And I mean, this, like the, I, I wish I could share the, the renderings of, of what he showed me of what's coming and, and they'll be out soon in the press. But I mean, it's like, I, I can't even like describe it other than like now it actually is like Pine Valley, but like on steroids. And I mean, there's like triple fairways and incredible like greens and bowls and pimples and nooks and crannies. And it's just like, I just wait till you see these renderings. I think they're coming out in, you know, the end of this month um, after the PGA show announcements. So it's, it's going to be a special place and they, they're, they're building two, two 18 hole, you know, proper big boy golf courses that are going to, you know, rival likes of sand Valley and Bandon. And um, they've got a nine hole, nine or 10 hole short course, 11 hole par three course, driving range. Maybe there's more golf in the future, huge clubhouse cabins. Um, so it's, it's going to be to the nine sort of uh, facility, no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, with that comes a, a new price tag, which is you know, appropriate with something that's going to easily be a top 15 public course in the country. So um, yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's, it's just this weird feeling. It's just uh happy sad is all I can say basically because my favorite place ever is going to be even better and like it's hard to come up with an analogy for that your best friend got a Lamborghini or something like that yeah yeah (laughs) 
or sort of like your fresh friend. Yeah, I, I don't know. If that's <laughs> that's that's incredible. That, that's really really cool. I mean, obviously, Cabin Cliffs is is very much on the the list for us because Chris and I haven't done at least not together. We spent one day abandoned, but we have not kind of gotten to do um, kind of the. I don't know if this is considered resort. It sounds like it, but you know, just those like objectively amazing higher dollar value trips. But yeah. as we get older, I think that that's more in the cards. And again, Modern I just want to get, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Ian, we're, we know it's almost, it's late for you. So we have a couple, couple quick hitters. Um, one thing I'm really curious about for you is you, we talked to Andy Johnson recently, you talked about solo golf trips. And for me, you know, Chris, I, I have a full-time job. Chris has a full-time job and a baby. So when I think golf trips, I, think this is a great way to maximize time with my friends however i've done travel by myself and like for example when my family was being annoying in 2019 i went to mexico city for thanksgiving by myself and it was one of the best trips i've ever done so i'm curious for you i know you have a young family how do you balance like yo like i gotta go hang out with the boys versus like I need to go drive around Kansas by myself. Like, how do you balance that as a golf psycho who has, you know, a house and a family and like, like how do you balance that? I need that? these tips, yeah, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is where it turns into a therapy session. Um, just uh, for some context, my son just turned two years old. So I have one kid, he just turned two. So like anyone out there who has, you know, young kids that you, that first you're not you ain't golfing those first like three six months i mean it's just like it's so much harder than that's where i'm at right now ian i'm uh, two and a half months in okay well you're wow you're in the black hole i can't believe you're even like able to like open your eyes and and talk right now it's incredible um you're, you're ahead of schedule um and say nothing to the fact that like you know mom's like i not to get too deep but they go through this incredible like experience and this miracle and it's like i can't even put myself in their shoes, you know, to begin with, and then they're expected to take care of this baby. So, you know, we need to be around and need to help out. And, and it's, it's, and it's honestly like all you want to do too. I mean, it's this incredible life-changing, truly experience. Um, And so, but as the year went on, like, and this was just year one sort of thing, like I didn't play a lot of golf last year, honestly. Um, And I had to really pick and choose my spots. And, um, but you know, I was kids eight, nine months old. And I was like, man, I, babe, I have to like, I'm going to do this like airstrike golf trip. It's going to be this, you know, planned out to the T I'm going to leave, take a 10 o'clock flight. So I can put the kid to bed and I'll be home on Sunday before you wake up sort of thing. And so, um, you know, I don't have any really good, good trips other than, you know, the solo tips, the solo trip just kind of came out of a necessity to, you know, get out of the house for a few days. And, and I sort of like targeted a place that I thought would, you know, deliver like high value for what I was like desperately in need of and deep in my soul. And, uh, that was Nebraska two years ago. And, um, you know, the, the day to day and how to deal with, you know, family and, and kids and golf, like, I don't even think I'm the right person to ask because I basically, you know, this, it's kind of like my job to, to be golfing and, and creating content and finding nooks and crannies and telling stories. And so, um, you know, I'm really, I, I try to balance it and, you know, as best as I can, like in Nantucket, for example, like I would golf when he was sleeping sort of thing. And then she would nap too. And so, you know, that felt like, uh, that felt like that worked pretty well. And, you know, 
guess what? Like short nine hole courses and par three courses are like even more my new best friend. Cause I can knock those out, you know, relatively quick. And so, um, I'm also fortunate cause I get to golf during the week and, and, you know, sort of reserve the weekends for family time. So, um, and I mean, the little guy comes with me too sometimes. I mean, if just go chip around and hit balls or, um, you know, he seems to really enjoy golf and being outside and, you know, putting a ball into the hole. So, um, you know, sometimes me going to chip or get out of the house for an hour and do golf stuff and I take the kid, I mean, it's, that's kind of like a win-win for everyone on the family team. So, um, yeah, that's a long non-answer basically. It's just really hard. And, you know, God bless people who have two, three, four kids. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know how it works other than just being very, very targeted and, uh, make sure that, you know, it's super fair and balanced. And, you know, if you leave for four days, like she better get to leave for four days or you take the kid off her plate for four days. So, um, it's worked out really well and we have a, you know, we have a good situation going here. So, um, but that's why, you know, Matt, when we hired Matt Bertelli last year to, to, you know, help us with customer service and packing, chipping, like one of his other jobs was like, yo, go out and make content for us, go to Pinehurst by yourself. Like, like, you know, the cherry blossoms are blooming at East Potomac. Like I can't get out there. Like just, so, you know, there's been some hired help too at Sugarloaf um, to sort of bolster, bolster our needs. Love that. So big, big thing. And because me and Ashton both um, own a lot of your gear, um, we wanted to ask you, uh, what does the motto play or perish mean to you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think everyone's pretty familiar at this point with like the origins of, of where that, that motto came from, from Robert Hunter's 1926 book, the links. Um, but you know what, when I read, when I read that phrase, like what, you know, I think we've all been through ups and downs and, you know, loves and hates with, with this game. And, you know, I played competitive golf growing up and got burnt out multiple times and, you know, found found my soul again with the game whether it was working at a summer camp where i was the golf instructor and just being around you know kids and playing with the six iron all summer or when i lived in scotland for half a year and just forgot about you know yardages and scorekeeping and just played match play for you know half a year and so you know to me it's like it's just keep going like just keep like if you're ever frustrated whether it's i haven't played golf in a long, long time, like it's never going to, I'm never going to get to go to a cool place or, you know, like, like kind of manifest your own destiny. So it's like, just play is like, just keep going or you're just going to, you know, the other alternative is just like wither and just give up. And like, that's, that's like unacceptable basically. So, um, you know, whether it's chipping in your basement into your, you know, couch pillow or, you know, plan in 18 months from now that, you know, perfectly specked out dream trip and saving up the funds and making sure your family's in order and um, the jobs lined up and like it's uh you know i i've seen multiple multiple people reach out to us who you know are just just starting to play or had stopped playing for a long time or you know found a new corner of the game to love and um it's it's just a really all-encompassing sort of like motto to just keep going man. just like 
chip in or full game. Like just keep just keep putting that club in your hand, and um, good things will happen. I love it. And then, like the last thing we have to ask is, you've done a lot of cool stuff. Do you have a personal favorite drop you've ever done, or like the piece that when you look in your? I bet you have a closet full of crap. A lot of crap, you know what I'm saying? By crap, <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of stuff. Do you look at it and you're like, that's the thing? I'm just like, I fucking love that thing. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like I don't like some stuff. Like I wish I had. Like I don't even get because it's so limited. Like I, you know, don't get to keep everything. Basically, I mean, it's I'm pretty forward looking with the merch. I mean, you know, when you sort of outline that question, I was I kind of went back through our archives and I was like, yeah, this is all awesome i I also feel like we haven't even started yet honestly in some respects and so um you know to pick a few pieces i mean the mckenzie stuff always gets me going just because it's kind of world's your oyster from this like very specific canvas and you can put any color design whatever on it and so you know growing up sailing uh some of those sail bags we've done are, are pretty pretty epic i think um those are really fun they always come out super unique and cool and um you know some of the the grips we've come out with recently like is kind of a like awesome manifestation of like well if sugarloaf has grown over the years we're able to sort of place some bets on some bigger projects and doing a custom mold for a grip which is like thousands of dollars and then ordering you know thousands thousands of grips and so that's something that i would have never dreamed of four years ago but it's like you know what future projects big things can we pull off and um yeah i, I don't know it's, it's impossible to answer uh, question to answer i mean on the design side of things like i love we've done some incredible like scorecards like i love designing scorecards like i don't know if those are merch drops per se but you know we did a we brought back a vintage card for for yale you know many years ago and um you know the pinehurst number two card and um for Sweetens Cove event, did a really fun scorecard and helped Zach Blair with some scorecards with a ringer. And I don't know, some of that stuff is like, brings me a lot of personal uh, satisfaction. But yeah, I think I think the best is you have to come on the merch stuff. Um, yeah, I honestly don't even feel like we've scratched the surface personally. Well, I'm going to send you an email with a newly created PO box where you can send all this stuff so that Liz will, Liz will never know. But I'll tell you, one of the things, obviously, I love that you guys add the little supplemental gifts. My personal that I'm holding up right now is the transfusion car um, car air freshener. Because I think actually it's the first time I ever like like posted about this. And I was like, I was like, is this great? And I think you or whoever was on social media was like, oh, it's a transfusion one. I was like... Oh my God, it's a car air fresher that smells like a transfusion. That is some big brain shit right there, my man. I think uh, Harrison, our, our partner Harrison calls it like, you know, they're like Happy Meal toys, you know? And so we love to throw in, yeah. you know, stickers is, is pretty common and pretty much a mainstay, but like from the air freshener to, I think we did like a, a stymie gauge ruler one time to, uh, yeah. to a floaty boat keychain and, we did a beach ball one year in some products and, and just kind of like, you know, they're like, they're like the, the happy meal toy that uh, yeah little surprise and delight in there. So um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll run back the air fresheners. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I had it in my car. I'm not going to lie. After one day I got back in the car and I was like, I think I'm going to let this chill on the smell and I'm going to put it in my oh, yeah. office. Cause yeah, those my, are, my, uh... my car smelled like <laughs> fucking straight up like great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yeah, they, don't, they don't hold back on the, 
the air freshener sense for sure. Um, no, not at all. And and the last thing to say to everybody is, you know, we didn't talk to Ian a lot, but Ian, I know you guys just bought a golf course, and you know, we could have talked about that. I know you talked to Andy. We didn't want to be make you kind of tell that whole story again. Uh, but you know, we encourage people to go listen to Ian's chat with Andy at the Friday because, I mean. Sugarloaf Field Club sounds like it's going to be a really special place. Yeah, let's have another love another call about it at some point. I mean, it's uh, you know six holes, old course, Augusta National Clubhouse in the Adirondack Mountains. I mean, it's it's absolutely kind of a one of quirky situation, perfectly tailor made for you know everything that that we're about, and it certainly won't be our last physical manifestation of a Sugarloaf property. That's that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, would would love to do that down the line. But Ian, man, dude, thank you so much. This was so much fun. It was so great to get to know you, and you know, hopefully, we can, uh, you know, if you want to come explore the Bay Area with me or Pacific Northwest with Chris, or you know, we throw a tournament every year at Soul Park and Ojai and Natch Play, and you want to come tee it up. We're doing a second second tournament, Ryder Cups, and both of them are Ryder Cup style tournaments. we're doing a second one at the new Dan Hickson course called Ball Run in Oregon as well. So, yeah, yeah, that's why there's so like how many new golf courses are opening like this? It's absolutely yeah. nuts. Um, and that one looks pretty sick. And yeah, Hickson's done some cool things. So, yeah, let me know. Let me know the dates, man. Like I, uh, I, I, I thought you guys were going to ask me what I have on tap this year. I have no plans so far. So, um, let's let's plug some of those those holes and. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm send in. we'll send the invite we'll send tonight for you. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks a bunch, Ian. Have a great night. Okay. Yep. All right. Later, yeah. Ian. See ya. Yeah.